What's going on, everybody? My name is Kyle O'Grady, and welcome to episode 33 of Trail Tales. This is the podcast where I, a thru-hiker and peak bagger, chat with other people that do thru-hikes and other people that bag peaks and love to hike as much as I do. If any of that sounds interesting to you or you fall into any of those categories, I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the show and tune in every single Wednesday, except for last Wednesday, so I should probably say something about that. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed last week, everybody. Honestly, it was really nice out, and I just didn't really feel like editing all day, and I just wanted to take a little break. But I'm back. I'm back. That's going to happen every now and then, but you can you can still plan on an episode every Wednesday. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. This week's guest is a man named Jake Pickering. He hiked the PCT in 2016 and hiked the Great Divide Trail in 2018. Now I'm guessing a lot of you probably don't know what the Great Divide Trail is. I really didn't before this episode honestly. So you're going to learn a lot hopefully and if you're thinking about doing this trail if you do know what it is then hopefully you'll get some good information out of it. There's a lot that goes into planning a thru-hike of the Great Divide Trail. It's much different than the AT and even the PCT. There's a ton of research and homework that you have to do beforehand concerning permits and campsites and all this stuff. But if you're looking for a thru-hike that is not done by very many people, if you're looking to really be out there by yourself, you know, the Great Divide Trail might be the trail for you. So I hope you enjoy it. Jake, when you hear this, dude, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I also got to give a shout out to Effie Drew, one of my previous guests, because she hooked me up with Jake's info and made all this happen. So yeah, thank you both very, very much. At the beginning of the last episode, during the introduction, I kind of called you guys out a little bit for not leaving any iTunes reviews for a while. And I got to say, you guys pulled through. I got five reviews since... The last episode honestly i don't have time to read all of these now but i'm gonna read two of them and then i'll get to the other ones next week and hopefully actually no i was gonna say hopefully i don't get more but i want more so keep making this difficult for me so please leave some more itunes reviews this one is from guy q which is kind of funny it says i absolutely love your podcast and appreciate all the time you put into it thank you very much i live in the northeast and work a full-time job in an office i do that as well i drive through the mountains to get to work every day and your podcast makes me feel connected to nature between my outdoor weekends thank you again and happy trails guy q (laughs) thank you very very much for the review uh let's do another one here this one is from mad 357 it says love these pods number 33 was a total great listen Well, this episode right now is number 33, so I think you got that wrong, but that's okay, that's okay. Continuing on, it says, A fun fact about Alton, who was my guest in number 32, aka Wonder Woman slash Super Pup. Her name has nothing to do with Alton Bay. Well, I don't know where the fuck Alton Bay is, but that is a fun fact, so... (laughs) Thank you guys very much for the reviews. I'm glad you listened to my call last week. And I'm going to make another call now, since you listened to the review ones, I'm going to try to push it a little bit further. I gotta say, I would really, really appreciate if a couple more people maybe went and supported Trail Tales on Patreon. I only have a few people, which I'm very thankful for, because they are able to cover the hosting costs for the podcast. But I'd like to build a website like sometime within the next month or so. 
and that's going to cost a little bit more money to host as well. Now, could I personally afford to do it? Yeah, I could, but I kind of like the concept of people kind of pitching in, especially if you're a regular listener of the show. Now, I know hikers don't always like have a bunch of cash on hand, so like I get that. The show's always going to be free. Don't worry about that, but you know... If you're interested and you want to receive some extra content, you want to get a bonus episode every single month and a blooper reel, I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of bloopers from this month's episodes. Um, If you want to do that, go to patreon.com slash trailtales. There's also going to be a link in the show notes for this episode. And yeah, you know, help out small creators like myself. That would be pretty damn sick. Another way you can help out is by just giving me some feedback. So podcasts are not like YouTube videos or blog posts, all this stuff. There's no comment section, there's no like button. So it's kind of hard to get feedback and that's why I stress the email slash Instagram thing so much every single introduction. If you want to send me an email with guest suggestions or any sort of advice, feedback at all, I would really appreciate that. Trailtalespod at gmail.com. Also go like the show on Facebook if you haven't done so already. I guess you can leave like reviews on Facebook too, which I didn't even realize because honestly, I don't really use Facebook that much. But yeah, go go do that if you're a Facebook wizard or something. Um, Instagram, that's a thing as well, at TrailTalesPod. Uh, go follow me on there. Send me a DM if email is too old-fashioned for you. That would be really, really sick. I just knocked out like half that introduction in one take, which is very rare. So I'm not going to push my luck. I think we're going to get into the episode right about now. So here we go. Number 33 with Jake Pickering, Great Divide Trail Class of 2018. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 33 of Trail Tales. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm joined by Jake Pickering, who has done the PCT. He's done this trail called the Great Divide Trail, which I don't know anything about other than what I like quickly Googled a few minutes before this conversation. So we're going to learn all about that. I'm so excited. Jake, dude, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm not doing so bad. Hopefully everyone else is doing well, wherever they're listening as well. Yeah, all over the place. It's kind of crazy. Like, I don't I don't really have that many listeners, but, like, usually, you know, by the time I'm, like, a week into the month, because the downloads, like, refresh every month or whatever, I'll have, mm-hmm. like, downloads, at least a couple downloads in every state and, like, in a lot of Europe and fucking, like, one time I got some downloads in, like, Kenya, just, like, some random-ass places, so it's wow, pretty cool. That's, that's pretty far-reaching. I know, right? It's, like, Afghanistan, I got that a couple times, too. I hope everybody is doing well wherever you are, Um, just like Jake said a second ago. So, dude, I always forget to ask what people's trail names are, and I feel like that just needs to happen at the beginning of the episode. So why don't we start with that before we get into all this really cool hiking that you've done. Just what is your trail name? How did you get it? And uh, what's the story behind it? Yeah. Alrighty. Well, my first trail name came from the PCT where I did that. Yeah, I did that with a partner, and we're we're both Canadian. I'm Canadian. I can't tell if uh, my accent is showing, but (laughs) I got uh, Terrence, and then my partner got Philip. So we were Terrence and Philip, the Canadians from South Park, and that that seemed to go over pretty well with uh, locals. Um, and then for the Great Divide Trail, I ended up with the trail name Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean. There are a couple reasons why I got that. Uh, 
the the more public one is that <laughs> um i actually i took rain gloves i was experimenting with this for backpacking so i took like kitchen gloves because they're made to be totally submerged so i know they're like of course completely waterproof and i get quite cold hands when they get wet okay and they were white so i kind of looked like mr clean cleaning the kitchen <laughs> walking around in the mountains i get it i get it the the private or not private but the less spoken of reason is that something about uh me being on trail and i don't know if it's the food that i'm eating or just what my body is going I, think I know where this is going yeah, I, I never seem to have to wipe. Oh, geez. I still do anyways, but it just it usually comes clean. So, Mr. Clean. I'm jealous of that. Man, we're, we're not even three minutes in yet. We're already talking about shit. I love it. Or, or lack thereof. Oh, yeah, God. we are classic through hikers. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. That's pretty funny, Mr. Clean. I'm, I'm kind of curious why well i guess i kind of understand since you weren't hiking with the same partner presumably the second through hike so i, I guess correct. i can kind of understand why you might take a new trail name but i feel like that's not super common i don't know did you did you kind of like wrestle with that with the idea there or did you just kind of like impromptu decide to take mr clean when someone gave that to you well definitely i think one part of terrence is you know it doesn't make as much sense without philip so yeah. Philip actually, he ended up, he did the California section of the PCT and then came home. So when I was finishing up kind of on my own, it made a little bit less sense to just have someone ask, you know, what's your trail name? I'd say Terrence. <laughs> that's and they, just a normal they would, name. They would ask what my name <laughs> was. Yeah. And I would go, no, that's actually my trail name. That makes that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, okay. so, so I was open to getting something different. Right. For the right. For sure. For sure. That makes sense. Um, yeah, cause like, I, I, I feel like it's not like super common for people to like change their trail names. Like it definitely, it definitely mm-hmm. happens, but like not, I don't, I don't know. I've been, I've been rocking Narnar for like, literally it was my first backpacking trip ever that I got it. And I've just like stuck with it ever since. That's but, sweet. I don't know. I, I've, I've thought about changing it, but I feel like, I feel like it, unless it's like a circumstance, like you just described, like it really doesn't make as much sense. I don't know. I mean, I think going forward, I'll be a little, uh, I'm I'm not too sure if I want to keep Mr. Clean or if I want to go with something different, but I'm very happy with Mr. Clean. Maybe like every through hike get a new trail name. Yeah, it would certainly you know help help to section them out in my mind. Yeah, but... shit, that's not a that's not a bad idea. Damn, I ne- I never even thought about that. I wonder I wonder if anybody else has has done that. Anybody listening that's done multiple through hikes. I feel like the, the odds of this are very slim, but if anybody's actually done that, like chosen a new trail name every single time, send me an email. <laughs> I'd be interested to see. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, dude, let's let's go back. Let's let's talk a little bit about how you first kind of learned about through hiking. So I know the PCT was your first through hike, and we're gonna kinda get to, you know, why you decided to do that in just a second, but I just kind of want to right now keep this first question, or I guess it's the second question now, um, to, you know, how did you first just like learn about through hiking and long distance backpacking? How were you exposed to it? And what were kind of some of your initial thoughts, I guess? Well, I was in, uh, I was in university kind of end of first semester, actually right out of high school. And I was just walking around the halls with the friend of mine who turned into Philip. And we were just kind of just walking around shooting the breeze and we kind of discovered 
just a Wikipedia article of longest trails in the world and we discovered the pct do you like go on wikipedia often and just like read random shit because i do that like a ton (laughs) yeah it it definitely has happened for sure (laughs) good i'm glad i'm not the only one yeah this is the one that i talk about the most (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it it kind of spawned from there i think we were we were either waiting for a f- one of our finals to start in a class that we had together, or we had just finished one, and we ended up walking around the halls of the university for probably an hour, and it started from just, wow, this is cool that this exists, to, hey, we could do that. And the following summer, we, we sorry, we took our first backpacking trip, or it was his second. I had, I had never gone backpacking before. We did an overnighter, and then... The, our very next backpacking trip was a PCT. Okay, interesting. So where where in Canada are you from? I'm guessing like a Western Canada, yeah? Yeah, so I'm from Calgary, Alberta, so okay. kind of right above Montana. Nice. Are you a, are you a Flames fan? When, <laughs> when they're doing well. <laughs> Fair weather. <laughs> yeah, pretty Makes much. Sense. But I, it's, it's a little interesting. A lot of people ask that, especially when I'm traveling um, for – for just being Canadian, and it is a very <laughs> different atmosphere. I think ev- most people in Canada, at least more than a lot of other places, they're bigger Fairweather fans than other places in the world. Really? Like when, when that local team is doing well, I find a lot of people in the city, they know about it. And I, I find that interesting. It's definitely, like, Canada, Canada is always talked about as this hockey culture, but I do, I do see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of get it too, being from northern Vermont. It's like, I'm so close to Canada. It's like fucking less than an hour. So yeah, yeah I love hockey you too. Can base, you can just drive across the border and then drive back in the day. Pretty much. Oh, oh, for sure. People take day trips to Montreal from oh, yeah. Burlington all the time. Nice. Um, oh, where was I going with that? I was going to say, see, oh, my listeners are going to hate me for going off topic here. I'm not talking <laughs> about hiking, but I got to say, because my last episode, I released it um the day the the morning of game seven of the stanley cup finals and i'm like a huge bruins fan like i watched like every game this year and they lost yeah that was a real bummer all right i'll 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 leave it at that (laughs) because i don't want to i don't want to talk about that um okay sorry dude i don't even know where i got you off track there uh, about you know kind of how you first learned about through hiking so so you Mm -hmm. learned about the trail the pct that is from uh this wikipedia article and in I know you you only spoke about it there like very briefly, but it sounded like it was pretty quick turnaround from oh this exists and this is cool to holy shit like maybe this is something I actually want to do. Is that kind of correct? Yeah. Yeah, it it was. I mean, especially looking back and even in the moment, it was a very surprising acceleration of thought. Like we, my partner and I, Philip, we had always known that we like to walk but this took it to a whole new level and we had never we had been hiking before yeah fairly frequently because i do live quite close to the rocky mountains which comes up later <laughs> gdt <laughs> yeah. um so it was easy for us to be able to get out and we both enjoy the wilderness and then we took it to the next level shit yeah so 
Did you say, I apologize if I kind of misheard this. Did you say that it was like the following like year after you kind of first learned about it? Like what was the, the turnaround time between that, you know, moment during finals week when you first learned about the trail and when yeah. you're actually, you know, I don't know what direction you hiked. I'm going to, yeah, what direction did you hike? Why, why, why the, would I assume that? <laughs> <laughs> I did the PCT Nobo. Okay. So it would have been. It would have been fall, I guess, 2014, winter 2014. Think about okay. like that, that December area. Gotcha. And then we went on one backpacking trip in 2015 and just a couple other day trips. And then March 2016, we were down at the Southern Terminus. Okay, interesting. So you kind of had the idea of through hiking the PCT in your mind before you even went on that like shakedown hike, I guess you could call it trial run, whatever. Yeah, it was absolutely done as a trial run. That was, you know, we're, we're going to go on this backpacking trip. We're going to see if we can spend a night together. If we feel like we enjoy backpacking, we'll just go do it for six months. Word. So it was just one night, yeah? Yeah, it was. Interesting, interesting. Okay, because yeah, that's, because I feel like that's, ah, oh, man, I feel like for me personally, I'm like very much a planner and like, I'm like, I'm always like trying to be prepared for every, mm-hmm. any sort of like big commitment like that. So it always like kind of like really impresses me when people, or especially people that start a through hike and complete a through hike that have never hiked before, like literally yeah, on absolutely. the AT. I met so many people that had never fucking hiked before. And like, I went into it, I, I, I'd never done like a long, long through hike before, but I'd, mm-hmm. I'd done like the long trail and I'd done like quite a bit of like backpacking and, and hiking over the years before. So like, I kind of, I kind of knew my shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> say that as douchey as possible, but you know, I, I was pretty prepared and like, Oh, dude, that just blows my mind. One, I mean, I know you said you had hiked before a little bit, but just like one overnight, like, cause that's a huge difference, obviously. And then you just sent it like, that's, that's so incredible. I don't know. Like, do you feel like that shakedown trial run like really helped that much or was it not enough? Would you recommend like maybe people try to get out a little bit more before they set out for a through hike or just fucking send it like you did? I would recommend more. And I think like your shakedown hikes, they don't have to be very long. But to be able to leave your car, hike for a while, set up camp, and then when you wake up that next day to not be hiking back to your car, to be spending two nights in two different places. And I know Mm -hmm. that can be difficult for people in a lot of different parts of the world, parts of the country, but I think that would, that would be a much better shakedown hike. Like if you're only going to go on one, have it be at least two nights in different spots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that. Um, and definitely just try to get out as much as you can too. I know, like you just said, like that's not always possible for a lot of people, but if you live in like an area where you can get out, I mean, you gotta, you gotta make it happen. If you're going to do a through hike for sure, 100%. you will not regret it unless you get like seriously injured then you can't through hike, but that would just be a mm-hmm. bummer. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah. To anybody. yeah. You can always just rationalize that, you know, you might've, you might've just injured yourself at the beginning of your through hike and then yeah. you're really messed. True, true. Shit. That hopefully, yes. <laughs> That's not going to happen to anybody. No, no, no you're all going to be fine. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Trail tales makes you healthier. So you're already a step ahead of, <laughs> of everybody else. Um, okay. I kind of want to dig in a little bit more, uh, into like why, like why you actually through hiked. So, you know, we talked about kind of the turnaround time and we talked about how you first discovered it, but I feel like, and this is something I, I asked pretty much all my guests that have done a through hike like this. You know, I feel like it's not really natural for somebody to actually want to through hike. Like it's natural to, to be interested in it. It's natural to be mm-hmm. like, um, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I pretty much just said it there. Like, it, it's natural to like want to learn about it and all this stuff, and it's natural to think it's cool. But like, most people don't actually seriously, you know, think about going to do this. So, can you just talk a little bit about like where you were in your life, maybe, or just like, like, yeah, like why, like, do this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm going to have a great segue at the end of this for you, by the perfect, way. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people, when they're when they're starting to think about a thru-hike, they, they think about, you know, the broad upside. So the general good things that would come associated with a thru-hike. For me, it was that I had, th- I absolutely loved the area of the country that I get to explore, the, Rock- the Alberta Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. They are fantastic. I'm in love with that range. And I wanted to experience more. And the reason why my partner Philip and I, we settled on the PCT, was that it kind of went through uh, so many different biomes and different climates, different areas of North America and different settings that it kind of gave us everything we wanted. It gave us that desert experience. It gave us the high mountains in the Sierra, Mm -hmm. that kind of arid high desert in Northern California. And then moving up through the Cascade ranges, it just changes, excuse me, so much all the time. And that variation is kind of, at least personally, really what what drew me to the PCT because that, that Wikipedia article that we looked at, of course, there was mention of the Appalachian Trail and of the Continental Divide Trail. So we knew about both of those, but we still chose the PCT because of that variation. And I got to tell you, it lived up to the hype for me. It was everything that I wanted from all of these <laughs> different places. I was so happy every time it would change. And looking back, of course, it changes over the course of weeks, but you definitely notice that big distinct difference between you know even the the couple of desert environments you get northern california and southern oregon that kind of high arid desert and then all the sagebrush and sand down in southern california interesting those those differences i really really enjoyed being there and looking back at it interesting yeah so see that's something like I can kind of relate to it, but I also feel like the PCT through hikers listening to this are probably going to be like, no, you can't, Kyle. You've only hiked the AT. Because like on the <laughs> on the AT, it's like I, as someone who's been in the north or yeah, the East Coast my entire life, and and hiked mostly in the Northeast before I set out for my through mm-hmm. hike. Like I definitely like did notice like the differences in like the forests and everything down yeah. south compared to up here, but. Obviously, like, it's not the same as, like, going from the desert up into, like, the mountains and all the passes and stuff yeah. like that. So that is something, like, that I am very much looking forward to experiencing if and when I get out to the PCT and or mm-hmm. the CDT at some point here, hopefully. So that's pretty yeah. cool for sure. I've heard a lot of AT hikers who have done the PCT. So this is this is me relaying their thoughts because sure, I sure. personally have not done the AT yet. But they kind of describe the PCT as... It's like the AT, but everything is just kind of bigger. The differences are bigger. So the in, on the PCT, the drier parts are drier and the wetter parts are wetter. The higher is higher in elevation, maybe even in you know joyous moments, and the lower moments in both elevation and you know 
feeling down yeah. and feeling just beaten to a pulp, those are lower as well. So I, I really like that comparison. And even though I can't personally give my seal of approval to that description, it's really stuck with me. Interesting. So I'm going to I'm gonna reach out to my audience again right now. Anybody listening to this who's done the PCT and the AT specifically, I'd love to hear what you have to say about what Jake just said, because I've honestly never really heard that. Um, I don't even know. Can you call that an analogy? Like, I don't know. I'm not a yeah, fucking English some, major. Some but sort of description. I think people understand what I'm going for. I've never really heard that like laid out in that way before, and that definitely kind of resonates a little bit that makes me like even more curious to get out there out to the west so it's a beautiful damn, place that's interesting yeah anybody who's done both send me an email or instagram you know where to find all that stuff if you listen to the beginning of the episode um i'd really like to hear people's thoughts on that that's like uh mm-hmm. that's pretty cool that's pretty cool for sure um can can i dig a little bit more into some of i don't even know how to phrase this not like the emotional side of things but just like um because again, kind of going back to what I said a few minutes ago, it's like, mm, so, so you 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 kind of talked about how you wanted to you know experience like the PCT specifically, you know. But can you just talk a little bit more general, maybe just why like a through hike in general? Why not take that? You know, I, I'm not sure how how long did your through hike take you the PCT? My through hike took me 175 days total. So why not take that 175 days? And go, you know, travel the world or start working and making more money or like doing all like there's so many other things you could have done with that chunk of time. Like, why did you go for a through hike specifically? Do you kind of get what I'm what I'm going for there? Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure uh, my parents have asked me the same question (laughs) (laughs) at the very least before I went, I think. For sure. And it's a very it's a very valid question. And I think you can't fully answer it until you've gone and done that thing. You know, people would always ask me, you know, why do you want to walk from Mexico to Canada? Or the same thing that they asked about the Great Divide Trail. Why do you want to go spend that much time in these remote mountains? And I would say, I'll tell you after I've done it. (laughs) Because it's that experience. For me, it's, it's about being able to look back on these days that are so full where I've experienced so much and seen so many different places and places that I want to go back to. Like as much as I can say that I've hiked through Oregon and through Washington and through all these areas in California, I've hiked such a small sliver of actual land. And even with, you know, you think about the the area that I've actually seen. Yeah, it's a little bit wider than the trail itself because I've been able to see through valleys and onto different mountain ranges. But that's still such a small slice of the country and of the world. And it's given me so many places that I want to go back to and explore more. Hell yeah. And that's kind of what drew me back to Canada, to my home in the Rocky Mountains, is that as much as I enjoyed so much of everything that I saw on the West Coast, on the PCT, it really just reaffirmed my love for the Canadian Rockies and wanting to go back there and wanting to explore more okay so i'm I'm glad you just said that because that's a perfect segue to what my next question was um i didn't really realize that you were from canada before i uh before we started this conversation here so this next question i feel like i feel like you kind of have already alluded to the answer a little bit but i'm gonna have you elaborate a little bit more so 
after learning that you had done the PCT first, and then you went and did this Great Divide Trail, which is in Canada, everybody, we're going to talk all about what it is for you know the latter half of this episode, so hang tight on that. But my next question was going to be, you know, you did one of the Triple Crown. I feel like most people would go and then do you know, the CDT next or the AT next and kind of go for that triple crown. But you decided to go for a totally different trail, you know, a trail that most people have never even really heard of, or at least people in my caliber anyways, um, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> so yeah, like why, why not go for another one of the triple crown trails? Why did you choose this great divide trail for your second through hike? I think a lot of it was definitely time, time and, and money. I mean, it, the, the Great Divide Trail is definitely a shorter through hike. I mean, it's 1,100 kilometers, about that 750, 800 miles-ish. And it was just, it couldn't quite work out that I would be able to do one of those really long trails okay. so soon. So it, it was time, it was money. I mean, I was 19 when I did the Pacific Crest Trail. Damn, dude. So Hell yeah, that's... Wait, how, didn't how, have a... how, old are you, how old are you now? I'm 22. You're 22. Dude, you might be the first guest I've had on. Actually, that's not true. I guess Flossie's a little bit younger than me, but you're like <laughs> one of the only guests I've had on that are actually younger than I am. So that's pretty cool. I'm 23. So nice. Excellent. Nice. nice. <laughs> it's a good crowd here. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Do, do you think um, just kind of going back to, you know, like you just said a second ago, like, you know, where you're from and, you know, this place that you've kind of come to know and love did that kind of influence your decision as well? Because there's lots of shorter through hikes that you could have gone and done too, you know? Absolutely. It, def- it definitely really influenced my decision to explore the place that I kind of knew best already to take what, what is essentially my backyard and just expand it out to all these different areas of it. And I mean, driving in the city in Calgary here, you could from all the different high points in the city, you see straight out to the mountains yeah, and nice. it encompasses 180 degrees, of your field of view. And that's barely a piece of them. And now ha- having done it, I can say that, you know, I walked from beyond one end of my vision to beyond the other end. And it's a really good feeling. I actually have a place right now where from my living room and from my bedroom, I can see the mountains and that, makes me feel so good to have explored that place. Yeah, for sure. Can you like literally see like, I mean, obviously you can't actually see the trail, duh, but like can you actually <laughs> like see mountains that the Great Divide Trail like kind of goes over or goes around, goes near there? The area that's kind of close to the city, it's a little difficult. It's a, a couple ranges in. Okay. But if I, if I look far enough south, I can kind of see some peaks that okay, I know cool. are close. And I know the trail is relatively close to them down there. This has popped into my head. So, like, did you, like, have any support from home while you were doing the Great Divide Trail then? Because, like, if you live, like, kind of close to it, I don't know, did that, like, influence the hike at all? Like, maybe just logistically, I guess? It definitely helped. And, and I can get into the logistic part, the logistical, like, oh, yeah. difficulties. Oh, yeah, we're going to get the into trail that in just sure. a second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it also ended up working out because I also hiked the Great Divide Trail with a partner, and I can kind of get into how that came about. So this was actually a person that I went to high school with. Okay. And we had gone to university in different parts of the country, and then we kind of reconnected briefly over, I guess it would have been the summer of 2017, just kind of randomly started talking again after having 
not really communicated for a few years. Okay. Um, funny story with that. She actually one day sent me a message of, have you ever heard of the Great Divide Trail? And this is at a point in time where I had already committed mentally to doing it the following summer. Oh, no way. <laughs> and You're like, yeah, you want to come? <laughs> exa- it, it, yeah, I said, I'm actually planning on doing it next year. And it was just this crazy serendipity that we had just kind of started talking to each other. And it worked out that we both ended up being able to. It yeah. kind of took a lot of planning and sorting out our lives kind of thing to be able to pull it off. Huh. Interesting. Okay, cool. Did you like have any like friends or family like kind of support you or like visit you while you were uh, hiking through there on the Great Divide Trail? Yeah. So we actually met up with uh, my partner's family at the very beginning. So her, her name is Bags. So her, her trail name is Bags. I feel like I should uh, actually say that her shout real out name Bags. isn't Bags. Yeah, shout out <laughs> to Bags. Her uh, parents were able to give us a ride down to our southern terminus, down to just above the uh, U.S.-Canada border. And then my parents were able to pick us up from up towards our northern terminus, where we kind of finished up, which it, wor- it worked out very well. Oh, that's such a nice advantage of hiking a trail, like, near where you live like when i was when i was in high school i was mm-hmm. section hiking the long trail here and like oh man my parents like in, in my my hiking partner's parents like shuttled us around like a shit ton to kind of oh, get yeah. all that done so thank you mom and dad very much for that um <laughs> but you gotta take advantage of it when you're uh, when you're close by for sure um all right so yeah we've already started to talk about this great divide trail let's uh let's get into the details people are probably screaming at their phones like kyle why don't you ask this guy what the hell this trail is so i guess that's pretty much my first question there um just like can you just talk a little bit about the general information of the trail you know where does it start where does it end how long is it you know where is it like all that kind of stuff yeah so the great divide trail similar in a lot of ways to the continental divide trail so the divide of the continent that kind of it runs through the spine of the Canadian Rockies, that is also what functions as the Alberta-British Columbia border, is the divide of the water and the water flows that are going to go into the Pacific Ocean versus what's going to flow into the Hudson's Bay or the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So that divide of the continent separates the two provinces, and then the trail kind of loosely follows that, similar to the way the CDT loosely follows the divide in the states. Okay. So the southern terminus, or the the more popular start point, because most people do the uh, GDT northbound, is in Waterton National Park, down right at the U.S. border, which is actually the same point as the northern terminus of the continental divide ah, trail. Ah, okay. Right in uh yeah. so like right on the glacier border there, yeah. Yes, exactly. Cool. And cool. then it snakes its way up through the mountains and it passes near places like Banff, kind of popular tourist areas, and it ends in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it ends in a place called uh Kakwa Lake Provincial Park. And it is it's very far removed. So even, and that's, it's kind of an unofficial Northern terminus where kind of a lot of this trail is a lot more unofficial than even the big ones in the triple crown where it's kind of this, it's a little bit of this loose connection of routes. Like it's recognized 
but it does and it has a, a governing body of volunteers that help maintain the trail, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's not it's not like the PCT or the AT where it is one continuous trail that's Interesting. all blazed and all cut out. It's it's a little different. I guess that would make sense because it's just not as you know, well-traveled and not as, as well-known. Are there, like, so on the AT and I'm sure on the PCT, too, and even on the CDT, I've seen lots of videos and pictures from the CDT. Mm-hmm. I know there's, like, actual, you know, signs sometimes that will say Continental Divide Trail this way and then probably point to, like, middle of the bushes or some shit. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's like, you know, obviously blazes on the AT. Like, like you just said, there's, like, it's an official kind of path here. Are there any mm-hmm. sort of like signs or any sort of reference to the Great Divide Trail, like on the actual trail itself? You know, you get what I'm saying there. <laughs> I think there's one or two. Wow, really? For for the most part, it's you're following orange blazes. Orange. That's blazes. usually what you're looking for. Okay, interesting. That's like the Florida yeah. Trail, isn't it? Shit. Yeah, like I think total I opposite so. of the Florida Trail, but same blazes. Yeah, less swamps. So, how <laughs> do you know off the top of your head? I was literally looking at this earlier. I should have just pulled it up in my computer here. Um, do you know how, like, roughly how many people a year attempt the Great Divide Trail? Ooh, I believe in our year there were about forty or so successful. Damn! Wow. I I oh, I might be might be pulling that out of my ass, but. <laughs> I, I feel like that's similar to what I read. I read like 30 yeah. or 40 earlier today. So just not very many though, clearly. like No, not very many. That is incredible. Okay, so if anybody here is looking for like a good through hike, if, if the CDT is even too crowded for you, if you're one of those people, <laughs> then then maybe you should look into this Great Divide Trail. Um, so... Another thing I, I I always ask about when I'm learning about a new trail or or research when I'm learning about a new trail is water. So I don't know, is water an issue on the Great Divide Trail at all? I'm pretty sure the longest water carry is only about 15 kilometers. What's that for not, that, American? That is for Americans. <laughs> sorry that to my is... to my foreign listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> about 10 miles. Okay, so that's not that's not too bad. Like probably a little no. bit longer than normal on the AT, but 10 miles isn't too bad. So water water's yeah. not really an issue. No, that's good. water. Water is not an issue unless it's, you know, falling from the sky too much. Okay, cool. We, we won't, we don't have to talk about that too much then. That is like a good <laughs> thing to, to ask about though, because especially yeah. with these Western trails that I, that I've kind of learned about like the Arizona trail and, and even the PCT, I, I've asked other mm-hmm. PCT hikers about this before, because I'm not used to like having to worry about water like whatsoever. Like I've never ran out of water, like never had to carry like more than two liters mm-hmm. at a time, like for sure. So that's that's always a good thing to ask about, but that's good. Yeah, lots of water in Canada. Not surprised. Um, <laughs> how about so? Yeah, just like camping. Are there like established campsites along the way? I'm sure there's some. Are there a lot of stealth sites? You know, how do most through hikers go about camping on the Great Divide Trail? It's a very kind of interesting tidbit actually about about the Great Divide Trail. Is that what a lot of people find when they're first researching it when they want to do it? A lot of the Great Divide Trail goes through established national parks and provincial parks. Okay. And because the Great Divide Trail isn't exactly like it's not like the PCT, it's not like the AT, there isn't, you know, this one area or this one permit that you can get in order to do the entire thing. You, when you're in a national park, 
you legally need to be staying at a campsite that you have booked. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it becomes very logistically challenging. Pain in the ass, yeah. Yeah, so you you definitely, it's it's really, it's not a trail that you can just decide a couple months beforehand that you're going to do it because all of the campsites will be booked. You'll have nowhere to really camp. Oh, man. Oh, I didn't even think about that, yeah. It is difficult. It can be done through less than legal means, like stealth (laughs) camping does happen, and there are still those areas on the GDT where you can just camp wherever, but for the most part, you are in national park or provincial park So, like, when you say for the most part, are we talking, like, a 60%? Are we talking, like, a 90%? Like, do you literally have to, like, book out, like, most of your campsites before you even leave for, like, a 700, 800-mile through hike like this? I would say that you're probably looking at around 40 to 50% of your nights you'll be spending at, you'll be spending in a national park. Whether that's at an established campsite or you have contacted the national parks in order to get a random camping permit for a certain area. Because we're definitely all about protecting these environments and because our national parks aren't quite set up for this trail just yet there's work it's a work in progress right it's a very new trail so like uh, okay oh man i've there's so many questions spinning through my head right now (laughs) so i I was gonna ask you about permits but like oh man this is so so like how many of your campsites did you book before you're roughly obviously how many Mm -hmm. did you book before you actually like even left for your through hike i would say just about 20 maybe less oh man so that's like but still even even 20 or call it 15 yeah. whatever it is like mm-hmm. that like that's it's tough to predict like where you're gonna be like for 15 nights on a through hike like this like you don't know if you're gonna get injured or you're gonna get yeah. caught behind you get sick or something like i don't know how was it dealing with that like did you ever run into any issues there where, like maybe you couldn't make it to like your campsite on the right night or anything like that mm-hmm this uh, this definitely brings up a, a good point about the GDT that I kind of wanted to get to, is it's not very first-time through hiker-friendly. Yeah, yeah. Like, to not know what sort of mileage you can push with a certain amount of food in your backpack, with a certain amount of elevation gain in the day, it's hard. And at my partner Bags, this was her first through hike. Oh, wow. And it's... Oh, <laughs> Still very proud of her for that. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 very, very difficult to accomplish, and it took a lot of planning, a lot of spreadsheets, and learning when the different parks actually open for campsite booking, because a lot of them open at different times. Uh-huh. Being able to have somebody ready at 9 a.m. local time on their computer to book the campsite before it fills up in in this area that you want to stay. And if you don't get the one that you want, you might have to change your itinerary a little bit. So it ended up working out that on one of our days, we had to push a pretty, a pretty sizable day for the GDT, which was 50 kilometers. That's roughly 33 miles. Okay. Through some difficult elevation and difficult trail just to get to a campsite that we 
had booked because we couldn't book the one that was a little bit closer. It filled up too fast. It's There's a lot of mental stress that goes into planning for a through hike of the Great Divide Trail because you have to plan. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, did you did you ever like have to alter your permits? Is that even a thing? Like while you're actually on the trail, like because of some uh, some logistical mix ups or you know, <laughs> we never had to while on the trail. We planned very effectively and very well done, dude. I, honestly, that's <laughs> like that actually blows my mind because like I mean I, I'm sure as you and, and anybody else who's done a through hike that's listening knows like. That's like, it's tough to predict like where you're going to be even in like three days sometimes, let alone like, okay, I'm sitting at home like a couple weeks before I leave and I have to be like at this campsite on this date, like 400 miles into my through hike. Like that's, that's tough, dude. Like, well, well done. Well done. That's a, I feel like that's, (laughs) that's definitely going to be a big challenge for a lot of people though, huh? Yeah. It's difficult. I mean, you know where you have wiggle room and where you don't. Like if you're spending four consecutive nights in an area that you can just random camp wherever you want, and then you have four consecutive nights after that where you're spending them in a national park, you have your campsites booked, you know you have a little bit of wiggle room in those first four days. Sure, sure. So if you're not feeling so good, you maybe do a few less, a few fewer. Oh boy, that's a great word. You maybe <laughs> do, you maybe hike less miles a certain day when you're not feeling very good, but you know you have to make them up at some point in the next couple days. You know you have to get ahead or at least stay on time, on yeah. pace. And that's difficult, especially if it comes to an injury or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to really do your homework on this one. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy because, like, obviously – you know, there's parts of, like, I know the PCT's got the whole permit thing, which I don't really mm-hmm. know too much about other than what some of my guests have taught me on, on previous episodes of the show. And then on the AT, you have, like, I mean, it's, like, not even, like, a big deal. Like, you literally just show up to, like, the entrance of Shenandoah National Park and you just, like, mm-hmm. fill out a piece of paper. Like, they don't even, like, yeah. check or anything. And then the Smokies, you, like, need, like, a thru-hiker permit, but you can stay at any of the designated campsites. You don't have to reserve a spot in them. You know, you can kind of go through at your own you have like a certain time limit, but it's like way longer than most people take to go through mm-hmm. there. So you really don't have to worry about it. Um, so that's just like that. That's so crazy. Like that would add a whole nother layer of it for sure. I guess another question I was going to ask is um, about like the maps and guidebooks. But before I ask that, I just, I guess it's worth asking too. Is there any sort of like online resource that has like all the information about like all these permits and kind of how to navigate that out there for the uh, Great Divide Trail? Yeah, I think that there's two main online sources for information. The first of them being the Great Divide Trail website. It's the first result when you Google Great Divide Trail. It is actually, it's a fantastically built website. It has a list of a ton of the common campsites at their kilometer points. Sorry, I'm going to keep using that word. (laughs) It's a a Canadian trail, man. It's a Canadian trail. It (laughs) is. And the second option there would actually be the GDT Hikers Facebook page. Oh, okay. I know I know Facebook pages are a little bit of a sore subject when it comes to through hiking, but <laughs> compared to any of the other Facebook pages, this one is 
100% one of the most helpful groups around. That's that's good, because if it was anything like the Appalachian Trail Facebook groups, like, holy yeah. shit. I'm like, I've probably literally gotten listeners from posting my episodes in there before, so, like, here I am talking mm-hmm. shit, but, like, damn. Yeah, and it always stays as the same group of people as well. It's not a GDT class of yeah. 20XX. Yeah. It's always the same group, so you know it's going to be populated with former through hikers of the GDT and or people who are obviously like serious about, you know, learning like the specifics of hiking this trail, you know, not that there's anything wrong with the people who ask like beginner questions on other Facebook groups. Like that's, that's fine, but it does just get a little bit old sometimes when it's just like the same question over and over. So yeah, that's, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely include a link to the great divide trail. Uh, what is the name of like the organization that maintains it? It is conference coalition. (laughs) It's the GDTA, so the Great Divide Trail Association. So I will include a link to the GDTA's website in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. Um, That being said, so kind of related. How about like actual like on trail resources? So maps, guidebooks. Um, I think I think I saw that Gut Hook has an app for. Is that correct? That is correct. So that is that is the app that I find or the, the navigational resource that I find most people using because okay. it, it is very simple. And there are paper maps that exist for the GDT, though they're typically just maps of the area. And then you know which of the trails on there, which it might have a different name, is yeah. actually what the Great Divide Trail follows. Because a lot of times that could be an ATV road. It could be a road road yeah or it could be a trail okay interesting so gut hook is kind of the go-to there shout out to gut hook they freaking everything dude they've everything yeah it is a great app so it'll it'll show you your your campsites and it'll have lots of former comments similar to every other gut hook app it's yeah. and it's it's very well done the gps track can be a little off sometimes because as I'm sure we'll end up talking about, there is a lot of bushwhacking on this trail. That was going to, yeah, that was going to be my next question there. So like uh, from, from the research that I've done on the CDT, which is quite a lot because I'm very seriously (laughs) contemplating doing it. Never hiked out West before, but fuck it, throw myself into the CDT. We'll see what happens. Um, I know. So I know in the CDT, like there are like bushwhacks, like it doesn't sound like it's, it's not like, you know, you're, bushwhacking 20 miles every single day or anything like that like there's most of the time it's still like a actual path but how does that kind of compare to i know you haven't done the cdt so maybe not how does that compare you know yeah what is the bushwhacking like on the great divide trail like how often is it is it like bushwhacking as in you're literally hiking through like just thick brush or is it more just kind of like an open like plain or like an open ridge line or something where you can kind of see where you're going just kind of talk about the uh, bushwhacking on this trail a little bit many bushes will be whacked (laughs) (laughs) it it is a good mix of You know, a lot of times, you know, you get plopped into the Alpine and you get to the top of a pass after the trail disappears for a while, but you know that you're headed to the top of this pass and you look over the north side and all you know is that you're going to have to go over that pass in the distance. Yeah. There's zero trail, there's zero direction on how to get there besides just do it. And then there's a lot of flooded out areas or floodplains, big gravel washes that you walk through to avoid bushwhacking in the forest. Yeah. There's a lot where, you know, Bags, my partner, is up, you know, eight, ten 
maybe 15 feet ahead of me and I can't see her through the bushes. Damn. So there are like some sections where you're literally just like in the thick of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Section D is definitely the most notorious. There are six sections or sorry, seven sections to the GDT and section D is the most notorious for bushwhacking and remoteness. Uh, Probably on par with that would be the final section, section G. Interesting. So like when you're bushwhacking through these sections, actually, hold up, I'll take a step back from that. How I, again, you don't, obviously you probably don't know the exact mileage. Um, like roughly, can you give me like a percentage, like an estimate of like how much of the trail is like actual like bushwhacking? I think a more, maybe a more apt, uh, answer to that is what amount of time you just spend not on a trail. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. yeah, Yeah. I would say, Ooh, uh, again, very section to section. Section C is all like through popular areas of a national park and you're basically never bushwhacking. But over the entire course of the trail, you're probably not on a trail for 30, 35% of it. Wow. Okay. So a pretty big chunk. Damn. Uh, That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, So, okay. So yeah, back to the question I was just going to ask a second ago. I've never really bushwhacked before. I feel like here on the East Coast, it's not quite as common. I know, like, some people out there still do it for sure. But, like, here it's, like, you just, like, can't really go anywhere a lot of the time because it's just, like, fucking so thick and <laughs> just be miserable. So, I don't know. I feel like out West it's a little more common because you have, like, the open alpine and all that stuff. Um, not all the time, I guess. But, so, anyways, um, when you're bushwhacking, like, how do you, like, stay on trail? Like, it, I'm, I'm assuming you just, like, constantly like look at gut hooks like pretty much like just to make sure you're following the line kind of still like is that how it works if you have it or you know you see the the topo map overlaid on gut hooks and you know that you're following the west bank of this river basically up to its source and then you maybe find a trail like a lot a lot of the times it's uh, it's a common uh piece that gut hook writes in his app is the trail is a little obscure here it's easy <laughs> to follow if you're on it but if you're six feet off the trail you will have no idea that that trail is there damn wow that's pretty crazy i've never dealt with anything like that before holy shit it's Man. pretty fun not gonna lie it's type two fun though yeah, oh, for sure, I can imagine. That's How was that like adjustment going from the PCT, which to my knowledge is like pretty much a continuous trail the whole time, no yeah. bushwhacking, anything like that? It's, I mean, you're, you're really, you're in the thick of it, no pun intended, as soon as you start the GDT. When, when we started, actually, it, a lot of the first section, that whole area in Waterton National Park, just north of Glacier, was still closed from a fire the year previous. So we took a different route to kind of enter in and start out on the GDT. And right away, like our second day was hard. There was bushwhacking, there was scrambling, there was steep ridge lines, and a lot of the alternates, it really, it gets you in the mood, so to speak, right away. Interesting. So you just kind of jump right in. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, damn, I, I have so much here that I want to ask about. Uh, so how about resupply? So that that's like a huge thing on any trail. Any That's like the first thing I research usually when I'm when I'm like learning about a new trail. So mm-hmm. how often are the resupplies? Like how like hard to get into town is it? Or like how, how do the resupplies work on the uh, Great Divide Trail? 
you're typically resupplying about every five to seven days, so I guess similar to what a lot of people will end up doing on a trail like the PCT, but you're always basically resupplying at the same points as everybody else. Okay. So there's there's not usually enough towns frequently enough for you to ha- kind of have your choice of where you resupply. Yeah. You take you, you take your carry from the beginning, and everyone's probably going to get more food in Coleman. Everyone's probably going to get more food at Kanaskis Lakes. It's everybody typically receives their resupplies at the exact same points. Okay. Okay. And how how often does the trail like go through a town or like close enough to a town that you can just walk in to resupply versus having to like hitchhike in you know kind of make more of a effort to get into town? Uh, basically, oh, three or four times, and realistically, you're only resupplying on the GDT seven times. That's about it. So, and that town term is used pretty loosely. <laughs> um, a lot of times, like field, for example, is a town uh, that you walk through, and it's not. It is technically a town, but it's got. A convenience store that doesn't have very much like a gas station and it's got a couple bed and breakfasts and then one restaurant mm-hmm. it's it's very much a touristy spot like the bed and be- breakfasts fill up in the summer all the time so it's a lot of box sending yeah yeah which i hate Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times you just have to, but you can make it work. Like of we course. sent a box to a ski area that's quite near to a very uh, a very large touristy town, really just because we want we didn't want to stop in the town. But you definitely could. But there are points where you would probably have to send a box unless you feel like eating nothing but, I don't know, all the Pop-Tarts that this <laughs> store at the crossing has. For real, for real. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, so it sounds like rough, I know you said it was roughly like between 700 and 800 miles. So you're doing like fairly, or for, for AT standards anyways, you're doing like fairly long carries between towns. Like how many days, uh, were you going usually between resupplies? The long, the most food that I carried on my back at any point was nine days. We carried a little bit extra out of that town. Yeah. We were getting a resupply partway into that stretch after, like a week, but we wanted to carry more from the town so that the uh, person carrying our resupply in to us didn't have to carry as much. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's there's definitely no sections on the AT where you have to carry nine days worth of food. Damn, I know you said yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, okay, so the last thing I want to ask you about this trail. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about grizzly bears, dude. So oh, yeah. I know I I know like obviously I've I've been in, I've been to Glacier. That's the only Western hiking experience I have at all, and it was just for like a couple days. Like it was nothing, like nothing okay. major. Um, but like obviously I know there's grizzlies in Glacier. I know Waterton National Waterton Lakes National. What is it? Waterton. Yeah, Waterton as it's colloquially. Okay, so I know Waterton obviously borders glacier so mm-hmm. i know there's grizzly bears there too how much does, are there is it grizzly habitat like this whole trail yeah the whole thing that being said i only saw one and it was in one of the most populated areas which you would kind of come to expect lots yeah. of black bears though. so people some people 
are probably hoping I asked this question after hearing that. And some people are probably going to think I'm a, I'm a bitch for asking this, but I got to say, like, I was not comfortable hiking in grizzly country when I did it. Um, I, I was a little bit better by the end of the trip than I was at the start, but, and granted it was my first time too, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know how was, like, how was that? Like, d- did you really think about it much? Like, did that sketch you out at all? Like, did you have bear spray? Like, how did you kind of deal with that? We did carry bear spray. And I think growing up in, Oh, true, true. It helped, that helped a lot. So I know, I know a lot of people are very concerned about bears, both grizzly and black. And they, they, they should be in some ways, they should be respectful. They should know that they're in these animals territory and they should know how to deal with encounters. Mm -hmm. But I only really had to pull out my bear spray twice and I never used it. Well, shit. That's yeah. I I pulled it out just for safety when I when I ran into that grizzly. Yeah. Okay. But because it was a it was a young grizzly, he was about a year old, and so and he did not care about us at all. He was just plopped in the middle of the trail, and then we tried to shoo him off, and he just kept walking down the trail in the direction that we wanted to go. Oh no! But it ended up working out just fine. We kept our distance. We just talked to him, and eventually went down the hill and then the only the only other time that i felt kind of concerned was i came around the bend and there was a black bear mother with two cubs playing in the river nice (laughs) and so they they couldn't hear me coming whatsoever yeah yeah so the mom ran to the opposite shore and the cubs ran to the same shore that we were on oh damn (laughs) so dumb cubs they should have ran the other way (laughs) so that was a little concerning because the mother was barking at us from the other shore but and we couldn't see where the cubs went we just didn't want to get in between the mother and cubs but it ended up working out just fine we're pretty sure the cubs scampered up a tree and we just kept walking okay good good yeah that's uh see yeah like honestly like i've hiked a shit ton in like black bear country over here and i've Mm -hmm. never really ever cared I've, I've hardly even ever seen i've only seen a couple of black bears honestly um i think i must just be like oblivious or something but like they never really concerned me but for some reason like grizzlies like oh that's like a whole different thing for me i don't know i, I feel like i just gotta like hike more in grizzly country and then i'll get a little more used to it because i was taking all the precautions too you know you know being loud if i was going around like a bander in like a thick area probably obnoxiously loud for the other people i was hiking with <laughs> And, you know, I had bear spray and, and all that stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you, you get a lot more comfortable with it. And especially it helps hiking with somebody because then you can just have that conversation yeah. and constantly be making that noise, for sure. which is what's going to prevent you from having those encounters. For sure. For sure. Safety in numbers. Safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. Damn, dude, that was sweet. So I... Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I didn't know a single thing about this trail other than that it was in Canada. And I didn't even know that really until I like Googled it earlier today. So <laughs> that's really cool. I feel like I learned a ton. That permit thing still kinda um still kinda like blows my mind a little bit. Like I did not realize it was that much of a, a logistical challenge, I guess, to make this happen. So I think that's pretty sweet that people are still willing to uh, to do that. And I, I, I don't know if you're like this, Jake, but I feel like some people in like a weird way might almost enjoy that because they're the kind of people that would like to sit down and plan for like months and months and months before they actually leave, you know? 
Definitely, for sure. Uh, Bags was the bigger planner in our group, and I was happily uh, helping out with it. Yeah, but yeah. it was it was it was honestly, I think, really nice because we were able to communicate a lot when it comes to you know my mileage expectations versus hers and what we could realistically do with each other. It was a great learning opportunity, and it was great to see you know, somebody get their, their trail legs under them and become much stronger as the hike went on. Yeah, yeah, for real. It is definitely difficult to kind of plan all of that. And I don't want that to like dissuade people from looking into the Great Divide Trail, but to just to make them aware and to make sure that, you know, if you're going to do it, you mean business and you yeah. know that you're going to put in the effort to both have an enjoyable time and to respect the rules of these places that you're visiting. Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely not like the AT. You can't just like show up at the start with like fucking Walmart backpack and like a banjo strapped to your like fucking gear and just like <laughs> just start walking. Like you definitely got to do your homework on this one. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, that's cool. That's cool. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we inspired some people to uh, do a little more research on it today. That'd be a, that'd be pretty sweet. That said, Jake, I think we're going to kind of get into the final part of the episode. My favorite part mm-hmm. every single week, except for last week. Cause I did not post an episode last week. Sorry, people. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's let's uh let's do some stories. So, uh, have you have you said any of the stories you kind of had on deck so far, or uh, wh- what are you thinking here? How many? <laughs> well, one one of the stories would have been uh, how I got my trail name, but we did end up okay. covering that because okay. that is definitely one of my favorites. You still you still got one though, right? Oh yeah. Okay, let's hear it. So this this one will be from the GDT, just especially since we were about it, and that that remoteness aspect of it. So I did have. This is going to be a cruel foreshadowing. I think people are going to win. I did have a spot device with me. Oh, uh, oh for the trail. shit. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I, I see where this is going. Yeah, get people on the edge of their seat. Yeah, I'm on mine. <laughs> um, so we use that to help communicate with both of our families back home. We would check in each night just to be able to show where we were camping and they were able to kind of plot the points along the map. It was it actually turned out quite nice that we got to see all of our campsites. Yeah, sure. Uh, the couple nights we forgot, but in any case, uh, we we did have it for uh, potential emergencies as well. And it did end up turning out that we needed it. So we were hiking through a very very tedious area i mean we were going for a lot of bushwhacking a lot of washed out trail route finding i was draining the battery on my phone a ton just look using the gps and trying to keep us on trail because it's so much more efficient when you're walking on any kind of trail even if you're going over blowdowns you're getting your feet wet as long as you're on some kind of trail you're at least making some kind of progress or it feels like it but we were still going less than a kilometer an hour damn so less than, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, dude. I should know this. I live so close yeah. to freaking Canada too. But I, still uh, I mean, I know the conversion. It's a kilometer is one is, or sorry, 1.6 kilometers to a mile. Okay. So, wow. That is very slow then. Holy shit. It is very slow. And it was raining on us. It was just kind of an unfortunate day. We have, we had to cross this very large river in the morning 
And then we had to, we came to a second one that we kind of had to cross in two separate chunks. Uh-huh. And we crossed over the main river, got to the other side, we were bushwhacking through. I ended up getting stung by a bunch of like hornets and it oh, hurt damn. my leg. And we r- ran away from the nest. I must have stepped on the nest or something. And so we ran over, we got the other crossing, the nice cold water kind of helped with the stings in my legs because it just hurt a bunch. We were sitting down, relaxing, you know, getting a little bit of food in us as the sun was starting to come out a little bit. And then I started to feel very like hot, almost like you'd been out in the sun for too long. Okay. And I started and Bags noticed that my face had started to get a little bit bigger. And it had turned out that I was starting to get develop hives all over my body. Oh, shit. And I was puffing up. I was, I was having an anaphylactic reaction to these stings. I had never experienced an allergic reaction to anything before in my life. I, I have a mild allergy to cats, but I'd never experienced anything like this. Yeah, yeah. And my breath started to become shorter and shorter. So we made it, we made the call after kind of deciding based on a couple metrics, you know, when we would push the SOS button on the spot. So it ended up, we, we decided that if my breathing hadn't gotten better in like 15 minutes or so from this point, then we would push the button. Or if I got to a, five out of 10 in terms of shortness of breath zero being totally fine. I can breathe normally and 10 being, I can't breathe. And both of the parameters were met for us to be able to push the SOS button. Damn. And we were in the middle of nowhere. We were very, very remote, pretty darn far from any kind of civilization. And we were waiting for a helicopter to come. Holy which shit. Eventually, of course, it did. Uh, it took about an hour and a half, which was about the response time that I would have expected for somewhere that In remote. the middle of nowhere, yeah. That's, that's yeah. pretty damn good, honestly. Shit. Yeah, so um, as I was kind of waiting for, you know, for rescue, essentially, for help, uh, my breathing started to get kind of worse and worse, and I think I, I at a couple points I got to about that seven, seven and a half out of ten of just pangs of not being able to breathe very well, and just waiting, waiting in somewhat of a clearing. Thank goodness they were yeah, able to see us pretty say, darn easy. So if you're in the thick of it, you probably wouldn't be able to get the helicopter in there, right? Eh? Yeah, exactly. So we they were able to finally, you know, locate us. The helicopter came out after about an hour and a half and they dropped one guy down. I think all that he had with him to kind of assess me was a tank of oxygen, which turned out was exactly what I needed. Jesus. As soon as I put that that uh, mask on, I kind of realized how quietly I had been talking and how hoarse my voice was before. Damn. It was uh, it was quite the relieving moment to have that oxygen come in. I immediately felt so much better than I had before, and they ended up taking us out to a hospital uh, that they had in the town that they had flown from. And I got checked out at the hospital. 
I got a couple of shots. Like they gave me an intramuscular shot of Benadryl to kind of take down the hives. And even while I was laying in the hospital bed, I ended up kind of having a relapse, so to speak. I don't know exactly what term I would use for it, but I kind of like my vision started to tunnel mm-hmm. while I was sitting in the hospital bed and I knew I was at least in a, a safe spot and I knew I would I would be okay there. Like if ever it was to happen, it would be while I was in the hospital. For sure, for sure. But it definitely reaffirmed uh, the good choice to hit the SOS Yeah, button. yeah. Oh man, that is so crazy. I've, I don't think I've ever heard a story where someone actually had to like use their spot device. So damn, shout out to spot, I guess. Shit. Like, yeah. Um, did they, oh, I, don't, I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I should ask this question, but I'm going to Go ask it. it. I'm going to be an ass maybe. Um, did they say like what might've happened had you not had that device with you and, and had not been able to be rescued? They didn't say, but I think my imagination took care of it. Uh, I think it would have been a very serious issue. I mean, especially that relapse. Like I just about blacked out. Oh man, that is in my in the bed. It was brief, but that is incredible. Well, I'm glad that you are okay. I'm glad that the uh, device worked out and everything. Holy shit! Yeah, me too. That is a uh, damn. And then you went and finished the hike too. Like that's that's pretty yeah, badass. See, that, that's yeah. one of the cra- that's one of the craziest parts is that my parents were actually spending some time in the Rockies at you know a little bit of a closer area than home, and um, they got the notification when I hit the SOS button. So that was an unfortunate uh, couple hours for them oh, where they I'm didn't sure know what they was were happening. Freaking out! Oh my god, I can't even. Yeah, they definitely that. were. So once they learned that, you know, I was okay and that I was in a hospital and, you know, everything was getting better, uh, they ended up driving out to meet us at the hospital and took us back to where they were staying. And it it worked out phenomenally. It was kind of the middle of the night by the time we got back. But we were able to recuperate. And then the next morning, I go to a drugstore, I get my EpiPen, yep. and we resupply a little bit, and then my parents drive us up to where we would have been that day on the trail so that we can start up and keep to our schedule and yeah. be able to make all of these campsites that we had booked. Like It kind of, as much as it was a very unfortunate circumstance, it happened at basically... One, one of the only times that it could have in the trail to allow us to keep to our schedule and to allow us to yeah, finish. Yeah, because if you were in a section where you had to, like, you know, do the permit thing we talked about, you would have yeah. been kind of screwed, huh? Yeah, we would have had to, you know, skip quite a big chunk to make sure that we were on time for the bookings that we had. It it honestly worked out phenomenally. As awesome. much as I, as much as I didn't love that it happened, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for for the circumstances, I guess everything worked out. Yeah, damn, that's pretty incredible, dude. I really haven't had too many, um, like life in danger stories. Here I am, like all excited that you like almost fucking died up there, but like <laughs> that's that's incredible, I, dude. Holy shit! I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. I said as much because uh, one of the one of the things that I wanted to do was document as much as I can. I think one of the uh, one of the phrases that uh, Bags and I traded back and forth was documentation over dignity. <laughs> so that is something that I did say to the camera um, while I was laying down waiting for a helicopter. And 
not really being able to breathe. I said, uh, <laughs> is that shit got a on good YouTube? story? <laughs> uh, there is, I did put together a video actually. I have, uh, I've just an unlisted YouTube link because I used a lot of copyrighted music. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Smart man. Still get it up there somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I can. I can definitely. Uh, I can definitely give that to you if you wanted to. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, dude. I think we're kind of gonna wrap it up on that note. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, where I don't know. Actually, do you, do you want to like give your Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, the uh, the link to that video actually is in my Instagram bio, so that works for me. I am at Pickering Jake on Instagram. I haven't posted a lot recently, but you can always go back through. I did a post per day on the Great Divide Trail. Oh, cool. Oh, hell yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, shit, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Don't hang up on me quite yet, but. Oh, I won't go anywhere. I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, everybody listening, thank you so much. Um, I do this thing at the end of these episodes, Jake. Sometimes I don't always do it, but. Where I'll, I'll like list where people listen to like podcasts or listen to the show. Sometimes people oh, will yeah. like tell me where they listen. So, and I, all right. So everybody listening, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your commute, your drive. Enjoy the rest of your work day, the rest of your hike, the rest of your lawn mowing. It's lawn mowing season again. Um, no longer snow shoveling season, but if you're listening to this in the future and it's winter, enjoy the rest of your snow shoveling. Um, your shower. I got that one. Uh, oh, I had a couple. I had a couple sent to me in the last like week or two. I can't remember them. Nice. Now. Can you think of any other places, Jake, where people listen to podcasts? I'm definitely myself sometimes, but whether it's like an audiobook or a podcast, even as you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. Shit. As you're going to sleep, that's that's another one. I really need to make like an actual list of these because. I always forget. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Jake, thank you again one more time, and have a good one. Bye.